Good morning. morning. Welcome to Bridgewater. This morning I want to talk about cancer. Cancer. I don't know if you realize this, but 600,000 people in America died from cancer last year. 1.9 million people were diagnosed with cancer, brand new, last year. Over 10 million people in the world died from cancer last year. One in six people in America who died last year died from cancer. It's a killer. My mom died from cancer this spring. Um, You all, I'm sure, know people who have cancer or have died from cancer. What if I... What if I miraculously came up with a cure for cancer? What would I do with that cure? Would I, uh, would I hide it, patent it and hide it? Would I like Colonel Sanders and the 11 herbs and spices, put it in a safe somewhere and be like, yeah, nobody's going to know? What would I do? What, what would you think I should do? What, what would you do if you had the cure for cancer, would, would you have a worldwide press conference and announce before the whole world, hey, I want you all to know, I know the cure for cancer. Here it is. Would you be a part of saving 1.9 million lives in one year? What kind of a villain would someone have to be to know the cure for cancer and keep it secret. Man, oh man, that'd be a bad person. I know another disease. It's called sin. I know the cure for sin. Sin's a killer. Sin spreads. Sin grows. Anger, bitterness, Sin builds in our lives and takes over our lives. Sin is a killer. Sin kills our hope, kills our joy. Ultimately, sin sends people to an eternity separated from God. Oh, that's worse than cancer. Here's something different between sin and cancer. Sin is contagious. My sin impacts the people around me. My anger lashing out affects Lisa, affects people. Many of us know the hope and freedom and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. What kind of villains would we be if we kept that cure to ourselves? We're we're in a series called uh, Vision, and we're looking at the core values of Bridgewater. A couple weeks ago, we looked at uh, how everybody has a next step. We talked about spiritual journeys, and we all have another step in our spiritual journey to be more like Jesus. Last week, Matt talked about The idea that life is better connected, like connected with each other, with one another in small groups. This morning, third core value of Bridgewater, 
that all of our campuses, why we do what we do, found people find people. Found people find people. This is, this is one of those core values that has radically changed Bridgewater as a, as a ministry. Um, every one of you sitting here found people, find people, impacted you. On your chair, there's a, there's a little card. And it's, uh, it's a little card like this. You have it. Either you're sitting on it, you didn't realize it, or you picked it up before you sat down. But it says, pray, invest, invite. This is the strategy of found people, find people. We pray for people, we invest in people, and we invite people. Today, we're going to look at what the Bible says about this core value. This core value, found people, find people, is not unique to Bridgewater. It's in the Bible. It's all over the Bible. And if you have your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going we're gonna to sit in Acts 3 and Acts 4. And if you don't have a copy of God's Word, the verses are going to be on the screen. But what I want us to do is I want us to read a large portion, a lot of verses of Scripture this morning. And then I want to look at how those verses talk about this core value, found people, find people. And specifically... As a follower of Jesus, what is my responsibility if I know the cure? How, how does that look in my life? So, found people, find people. Acts chapter 3, Jesus had, had several very close followers. Peter and John were two of them. And in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John are trying to do what they felt like Jesus wanted them to do. Jesus has died, and then he rose again, and now he's, he's gone up to heaven at this point. And Peter and John are just living out the core value of found people, find people. So Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 1. Here, here's what it says. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at about 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple. What we learned from a different verse later on is that he had been put there 40 years. So every day for 40 years, this man was set by the temple gates and he begged every day. Uh, verse 3, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and leaping, jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate, called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Okay, so Peter and John are investing in people. All right, the first point that I want to talk about today, in, invest in people far from God. Invest in people far from God. Peter and John were walking along, like they always walked along probably, and 
they saw this guy sitting here and they invested in him. Now, what they did was supernatural healing, probably not how I'm going to invest in somebody today, but the principle is really applicable. Invest in people far from God. I think sometimes my busyness causes me to walk past people and not invest in them. And yet I know that somebody shared love and compassion with me and invested in me. And that's why I'm where I am today, investing in people. I was thinking about this. I, I don't think it has to be difficult, but it does have to be intentional to invest in people far from God. Uh, this may be just talking with somebody, maybe just spending time with them. This, this may look like just spending time with your neighbor, a quick text to find out how their day is going. Maybe this is more in line with Be the Church. And in July, when we helped out people and we were just investing in people who are far from God, <clears throat> this could be financial assistance for somebody who needs it. It may be coaching a sport like David does at Blue Ridge. Um, I, don't, I don't know how this looks for you, but investing in people far from God helps us live out the core value found people find people. Being nice to teachers and healthcare professionals. <clears throat> My wife and I uh, had a, a discussion after our um, fifth child was going to head to kindergarten. And I remember we sat down at the table and had an actual talk about what is she going to do next with the next season of her life. <clears throat> she had been a mom for a long time and probably was still going to be a mom. She still is. But not at home. There's nobody home. So what is she going to do? And there were a lot of options. Some pay, some not pay. We weren't making a decision based on money. We were making a decision based on the impact we could have in people far from God. And ultimately, she decided that she was going to go back and teach. She has a teaching degree. Um, and she decided to substitute teach in the Montrose School District and began doing that, investing in people far from God. We have a lady in our small group now who has accepted the Lord and attends our small group who is a teacher at Montrose because my wife invested in her and decided to go back and intentionally invest in people far from God. That's what it is. True, true investment in the lives of people can be messy and it can be difficult. And I think... This is a tough one because sometimes investing in people means I give up my own rights and I take a loss so Jesus can take a win. I'll give you an example. I, I'm, I coach Montrose Junior Football. This one's really raw for me because last night is where this illustration comes from and we lost. And I Anyway, um, I'm a pretty competitive guy. I have a disease called competitiveness and, and I know that. And so coaching is no different. I want to win, whether the boys do or not. And we have 21 little boys. Some of them should be down the football field. Some of them should not. And we try really hard to put them in a position to win. Fifth and sixth grade boys. Last night, uh, we got to the field and we began to play. And remember, I, I want to win. In fact, I, I, I want to win so bad. I, like, I, I, I keep track. I... I was watching, playing a game against myself on the way here about the miles per gallon 
my truck was getting between my house and here, trying to keep it 25 miles or higher. And so I was intentionally coasting and putting the truck in neutral. Like, like I have a competitive problem. So understanding that, we got out on the field and there was a, there was a non-call that bothered me because, you know, I want to be fair. And I may or may not have mentioned it to the ref. And I, I, said, uh, I said, hey, um, wasn't that illegal motion? Wasn't he mo-? There were three guys jumped. And I, like that, I mean, it wasn't, I didn't cuss and swear at him or yell at him or flip him off or anything. Like, not yet. No, I, <clears throat> I didn't do that. Um, and he, he combatively came over to me and he said, hey, I'll tell you what. I'll ref, you coach. I was like, whoa. Like, like a disproportionate response. And I was like, I said, uh, okay, sounds like a good idea. And, and left. Like, I was like, whoa, his cat died. Or something <clears throat> had happened before that. Um, I actually went to the sidelines. I'm defensive coordinator, so I went off. And I said to our head coach, I said, I wonder what happened in the first two games because I wonder if Montrose coaches really ticked him off or something because he's mad at us and we just started the game. Like, I haven't even given him a reason to be mad yet. Um, so a little, the next series, I hear him talking to number 93, Julian, and one of my guys, and he was saying, hey, when, when you're engaged in a block and the play goes past you, let go, make the tackle, run to the ball. Don't be so focused on blocking because you're a big kid and you can, and you know what I thought? I thought, hey, I'll coach. You ref, all right? How about that, buddy? That's exactly what I thought. And, and, and I didn't say anything. I had a right. I had a right. And I had a desire to, to throw that right in his face. I, I, I could have really zinged him. Um, but I said, Julian, okay, listen to him, all right? Look him right in the eye. And when he's all done, say, yes, sir. All right? Learn something. And I walked away, and I was like, mm. <clears throat> but, but I want to invest. The reason I'm coaching is not because I love the agony of parents telling me their kid is better and needs to play longer. I, I, <clears throat> I could do without that. I coach because I want to see those people, I want to see those children impacted for Jesus. I, I want the other coaches to know that I love Jesus. They do. Um, in fact, I invited all of them here this morning and said, I'm preaching in Halstead. Hey, if you're looking for a place to come, come here. Um, <clears throat> I'm investing. And that meant I have to give up my rights. Because if I make that statement, I win, but Jesus loses. My kids hear me make that statement. Those kids that are playing for me, they know I'm a pastor. They know I love Jesus. Yeah, I win, but Jesus loses. I get a note home from school that says my kids have to do something in order to attend school, and it bothers me. And I quickly want to go on Facebook. I have a right. I have a right to let my feelings be known. I can go to that PTA conference, or I can go to that board meeting, and I can stand up and say my right. Or I can realize that I'm investing in people far from God. And God doesn't really care about that right. He really wants me to make a difference. Do I want to make a point or do I want to make a difference? And quite honestly, some of you don't want to make a difference, 
But I want to ask you, for the sake of the others who are trying to invest, please be quiet. Please do not take your right and run with it. Because oftentimes it's people who call themselves followers of Jesus like me and we're lumped together. And then I try to invest in somebody and they say, oh, I know people like you. Yeah, and I saw how they acted. And that wrecks my opportunity to invest. So investing in people sometimes means we lay aside our rights because we want to make a difference for Jesus. That's difficult. It was really difficult for me last night. And I've run that through in my head over and over again. I've had conversations with that ref over and over in my head. And I just want to play that team again. We lost. And, and we won't. But investing in the lives of people. How do you invest in people? Who in your life right now are you intentionally investing in to build a relationship? And you know they're far from God. But you're a found person and you want to be a part of finding people. Let's continue reading in Acts chapter 3, verse 11. It says, While the man who had been healed held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished, and they came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why, are, why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. He handed him over to be killed. And you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance as your leaders did, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Peter and John not only invested in the man that was far from God, but they used that investment to bridge to an opportunity for them to invite that person to Jesus. Invite people is the second point. Invite people to come to God. See, I invest with a purpose. My investment is for inviting. And inviting can look much different. Here, it looked like they were saying, hey, we know what Jesus did in our lives before Jesus, we were like this. And then Jesus had an impact in my life and he forgave me. He brought hope. And I want you to know, this is how I live now because of that. And you can have that same cure for sin in your life. That, that was their invitation. It can look different, but this is how theirs looked. And chapter 4, verse 10, they continue. Here's, here's what they say. Then know this, you and all the people of Israel... It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. 
invitation. An invitation. Uh, I invested in these lives. Last night, I did an invitation. I invested in my boy, those boys' lives and the coaches, and I invited every one of them to come to Bridgewater. Now, invitations can look very different. It can look like what they did, where they said, and let me tell you about Jesus. That's an invitation. Actually, there's a, a, a track, a bridge track like this, and they're at the Welcome Center. These are my favorite gospel presentations. Like, if you want somebody to know about Jesus and you don't know how to share, take some of these and give them out. These, they have little pictures, which is really why I like them. They have little pictures, and they have a bunch of Bible verses. Um, you don't have to do a big Bible study and convince somebody if you don't want to. You can just invite. Just invite. You can invite by saying, I invite you to read this. You can invite by saying, hey, we have something coming up in two weeks at our church. It's called Open House. Please come. I'd love to have you come. The woman at the well in John chapter 4, she did that. She didn't know a big, huge gospel presentation. I'm going to teach you apologetics. It's going to be great. The 13 doctrines of Scripture. No. She said, I just met Jesus at the well. He told me a bunch of cool stuff. you got to come and see. And they're like, oh, okay. And they all followed her to the well. Well, we can do that. We just invite. So as you leave today, you will have a chance. You'll get invite cards. We invest in people far from God, and then we invite them to come to Bridgewater because found people find people. Every one of us was invited. You realize that? We were invited either to come here to Bridgewater at some point, or we were invited to meet Jesus at some point, or we were invited to something, into a relationship with somebody who then brought us here, but somebody invited us when we were far from God. That's what we're called to do, found people, find people. It's a core value of Bridgewater, very, very important. And it's one that I try really hard to live by, and it's not always easy, but I think it's very, very important. Now you might say, pray, invest, invite. It's on the card. You didn't talk anything about prayer. No, I, I, I didn't. But prayer is in here, and I, and I will talk about it. Look, once Peter and John, they, they got arrested for healing this guy, okay? They were arrested because you can't just go around healing people. Come on. Um, <laughs> that's, that's not good. Everybody will want to be healed. <laughs> then what are we going to do? So they got arrested. They got beaten and then released and told, don't tell anybody about Jesus. Here, here's what happened. Look, verse 23 of chapter 4. On, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. <laughs> That's awesome. If we invest in people and we invite people, into the forgiveness of Jesus or to church, we do begin to pray. You will begin to pray because there will be times when you won't have the boldness to invite like you should. You won't have the words to say or the answers to give when they ask questions. It'll 
It'll go something like this. Let me know what to say, Lord. Help me represent you better. It may be on the football field. Lord, please help me not to mess this one up because I want to punch that ref in the face hypothetically. Just hypothetically. God, please change his life. God, please open her eyes. If we invest and we invite, prayer is a natural outpouring. So, uh, so pray, invest, invite. Here's my question. Which one of these are you best at of those three? And then conversely, which one of these are you weakest at? Are you someone who goes around investing in people far from God all the time, but you just don't get to invite? But you have tons of friends who are far from Jesus? That's, that's a great first step. Or maybe you're the other way. You don't know anybody who's headed to hell. I would say find some. I know some. I'll share them. <laughs> find them. Which one are you weakest at? There are three lines on the back of that pray, invest, invite card, and those are for names of people that you know you need to intentionally pray, invest, invite. I, I'm going to save you from the frustration of trying to write on this glossy card because it won't allow you to write on it. However, I do want you to intentionally think of somebody that you know God would want you to invest in who's far from God. I want you to think about someone. I have someone on my team, one of the coaches. And I am going to invite he and his son to our open house. In fact, I'm going to invite all the team, but that's easy. I'm going to have a conversation with this coach. And uh, I just told my oldest son, Eric, please pray because I'm going to talk to this person. And he is, he is quite a distance from God. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. But I want to do it. Um, pray, invest, invite. We have something greater than the cure for cancer. My mom lost her life to cancer. But she's living in eternity with God. Because even though she didn't have a cure for cancer, she had a cure for sin. And someone invited her. She found forgiveness and hope in Jesus because someone prayed for her, someone invested in her, and someone invited her to a church outreach event back in the 1950s. And Jack Wurtzen came and he shared about Jesus. And she accepted Christ. Pray, invest, invite. Found people, find people. One of our core values. I personally think one of the most important. Let's pray. Father, you, uh, you call us to do this and it is not easy. And uh, I just ask that you would help us. Um, help us because we want to be faithful to you. Um, many of us have, we're, we're walking examples how <laughs> I guess how you brought people into our lives to, to invest in us when we were far from you. And then invite us. <clears throat> your forgiveness, your hope, it's so amazing. Um, God, just lay this on our hearts like a, like a weight that 
that we want to do for you. Um, Not so we get glory, not so Bridgewater grows, but so you get glory and so your kingdom grows. We we love you. Uh, Help us remember the difference that you've made in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.